0: Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, it's been a minute. I feel like it's been a, a long time since we recorded. Is that just me or is, or is that that check out?
1: Well, it seems like it's been a
2: while. Um, yeah, it's that checks out. Yeah, we've been hanging out, but I still kind of miss you guys in this context.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was like getting ready, and I was like, uh, in, in preparation for um, uh, Josiah. I know we front loaded a lot of stuff in January, and I was kind of like, oh, yeah, it's March. So it's probably been month and change since we've gotten together. And yeah, I've, I've missed you guys in this context as well. It's good to be back in the virtual booths. All right, well, let's get started. Properly with our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's another three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. This question is from our friend Orlando, who says, long winters or long summers, which do you prefer? Slash, which is better or worse?
2: The way I read or interpret that question is. Would you rather it be too hot or too cold? And I am someone who would prefer it to be too cold. Um, really? So I would prefer a long winter as opposed to a long summer. First Interesting. of all, long summers here in Maryland are so swampy and disgusting. <laughs> I true. hate how humid things are here, and our winters are not bad. Like yeah. both of you are from are from Michigan, so your reference for winter is way harsher. Like winter is coming vibes, kind of from the both of you. <laughs> so like, but for but for me, it's chill. Like winter, DC winters are pretty fantastic.
0: That is a valid geography specific answer. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, winters in Maryland are like it's mild in November. It's mild in December. It's mild in January in february it loses its mind a bit and it's like oh it hasn't been cold this whole time Well, we need to like compensate <laughs> so it's like it's going to be in the 20s for a week and then it's spring like it's the weirdest yep. like like backloading winter i've ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah i so i don't know i i tend to prefer um longer summers um yeah in maryland winter is not that bad Like it's 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 again, it's a month. So if it was ever uncomfortable, it wouldn't last very long, whereas summer, summer here lasts until about October. And it's pretty gross. So specific to Maryland, I'd probably say winters, but just generally, even though like, yeah, I was raised in a very like a mostly pretty cold place. I'd probably say long summers because when it's really cold for months on end, it's the worst like you just start to hate everything a little bit.
1: I think my answer is like exactly as Jirel's. Uh I think I'd prefer generally a longer summer, um, but like not if it's like Maryland because yeah, it's a swamp out here and I it, bleh, um, yeah, no thank you. And winters are just like considerably preferable to to Michigan winters. Um, so if it's a Michigan kind of or I mean a Maryland kind of summer, no thank you. But generally, I like summer more. Uh, that just means more golf time. Um, so, <laughs> on brand, <laughs> always on brand. <laughs> you got we, we got uh, bougie Eli and golfer Charles.
0: Charles, I'd rather be golfing, Wesley.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on a day like today, brothers, I love doing this with you, and we're talking about the word, and that's always worth it. But man, well, I wish I was golfing. <laughs>
0: During <laughs> during the recording, Charles is looking out the window. He's like in the back nine right now. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. I, it is very very nice outside. We got through the one really cold week of February. Now we're in March, and the weather is actually pretty delightful. Oh man, well, good, good discussion there. Let's let's get into it. We are opening a brand new season today, season five, which. Goodness, I am just now re- realizing we have not named. Oh, <laughs> uh, keep this in, Charles. <laughs>
1: oh no, in. that's not good. I think we all realized it just <laughs> oh, no. now
0: that we have not <laughs> named this season. Oh my gosh. As I said, it, I looked at both of your faces and it was sudden like, "Oh no." Oh, <laughs> They will be titled when they come to you, and then you will listen yes. to this and say they were not as prepared as they <laughs> appeared to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But name or no name, um, we we are studying st- starting a Bible study of the entire book of First John. So this is a first for us. We've mostly focused around character studies or just specific stories, or we just wrapped up a season on Jesus' parables. This is the first time we're actually going through an entire book of the Bible. Um, and we're, we're going to try to keep it in a very like Bible study format where um, we're hopefully able to come up with uh, some questions to ask one another and to just, yeah, unpack this in detail. I know the three of us have read 1 John before, but I, I I didn't talking to you guys before this, it seemed like there's a lot of new life breathed into this passage after having gone into more detail for the podcast is that same for you guys yeah
2: that's a check from me
0: yep yeah so we're looking forward to getting into it and to from beginning to end talk about first john so this week's passage is just all of first john 1 if you have your bible and you aren't driving you can start turning there now while I set the scene john was one of jesus's closest disciples along with peter and his brother james In fact, it was with them that he witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus. And in his gospel, he describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And at the end of the Lord's life, John was the one who took care of his mother, Mary. John's personal experience of Jesus took hold of him in a profound way. Now, years after his Lord's ascension, he writes this letter to a series of churches, encouraging them To partake of fellowship with each other and with the Lord Himself. The first thing they must do, He says, is step into the light. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Gentlemen, what are some key takeaways from this passage, First John chapter 1? So
2: one of the most, I don't know, beautiful things is just the consistency between what John is delivering in this letter and his gospel uh, writing. Like, So uh, in the first verse of what you read, Jarrell, uh, this, we, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, the life of Appeared. We have seen, and we've seen it, and testified to its so own, and so forth. John seems like absolutely captivated by the fact that Jesus was present in the beginning. Um, this sort of like preeminence that Christ has um, before creation um, was established by God the Father, and so like it just immediately made me think of his gospel the first few verses of that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and so like very beautifully uh, John is in a very reverential way obsessed with the identity of Christ and I want that to develop in me as we go through this Bible study.
1: Yeah, there seems to be this recurring motif of light and darkness, you know, John chapter one. So the gospel of John chapter one, as you just read, very clearly talks about this. And I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, Eli, because I think you've read it um, more recently than I, that that kind of theme carries through the gospel of John. Um, And we see that, I think in this first letter of John, um, particularly in this first chapter, I I, I was I noticed that um, there's a lot of uh, darkness and versus light, righteousness versus unrighteousness. So there seems to be this this continuing theme. And and what struck me was that there's something here about being in fellowship with God and being in the light. And yeah, there just seems to be that kind of theme run, running through at least this first chapter, and I think even into chapter two, which we'll get about, get into uh, next, our next episode.
0: Yeah, kind of to echo all of that, I, as you guys were like saying, I was reading this in parts, of it. I was like, this sounds familiar. Like, I feel like I've read this in oh, another part of the Bible, which speaks to just like, yeah, the beauty of John's writing and just like the consistency of it. Um, in particular, there was a verse that I remember. I remember exactly where I was when I read this and was like, "Oh wow!" I was like, in training for a summer camp job, and I was like reading uh, as a Christian camp. So I was like having a prayer time before the day started, um, and I was reading through the Gospel of John, and in John 17, verse three, John says, "And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent." And that really stuck out to me because so much of this. Uh, Chapter is is about fellowship. It is about like with one another as the body of Christ, but also with God Himself. And I remember at that time sitting in like that gym like before training, just thinking like, oh, that's there's something so interesting about that because we tend to consider eternal life as you know once we die it can go to heaven. But like there was something about that passage of John 17 that's like like this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, and so. In a very physical sense, we consider eternal life is what comes next. Uh, but I, there's something about partaking in that now, like partaking in that in our earthly bodies, partaking in the eternal life, the like uh, like glimpses of the glory that the Lord has called us to, even um, in our earthly bodies. And there's something that's so comforting about that. I think like that's at the heart of what John is saying here. Like he's saying, like, remember, like literally God made man, God in the flesh, and continue to have that kind of relationship with him as if he was like still here. Um, so yeah, that that theme of fellowship really took me back to that specific passage and uh, even more so as we go through uh, the rest of the, the chapter.
2: Yeah, as both of you uh, noted fellowship, I, I had that written as a note in my, in my notes. Uh, it's just underlined three times. Um, And so John sees one of the end results of proclaiming the gospel of Christ Jesus as fellowship. Like that is one of the many goals in this. And the point isn't to be like right or to declare it as a sense of duty or out of a sense of duty. Um, It's to bring people together under the bloodstained banner of Christ. Um, But then more importantly, John reveals that our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And so, and that's... uh, in verse three. And so fellowship with believers and disciples of Jesus is fellowship with the Father and His Son Christ of, and His Son Christ Jesus. Not because disciples are one and the same as the Godhead, but because Jesus has even himself revealed um, that he is one with his disciples. Jesus shared, and in, in again, we're gonna be, I guess we're gonna be referencing <laughs> the Gospel of John. <laughs> I guess I will be, but like Jesus has shared before. Um, how important, how critical this is. He said, before long, and this is John chapter 14, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. And so like, there's this mystery, this really intense mystery of like, what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, what it means to be along with other disciples and what it means to be in God, like, I think that's one of the reasons why so many of us miss fellowship, like getting together and being with one another over the course of COVID and why we're all so happy to get vaccinated (laughs) is because like we miss this. And while we may not always recognize like, Oh, this is what it means to be in Christ. uh, There's this joy that we feel in being next to and alongside uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and what it means to be a part of this, this, body of
1: believers. Yeah, I I love it. Yeah, maybe just to, to highlight that that was something that really stuck out to me as well. Particularly you mentioned verse 3 um and, and that stuck out to me as well that just to in, to reiterate what you said in different words Eli is that the fellowship that we share with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ is predicated on the fellowship with God the Father and the Son. So there's something godly about the fellowship that we share. Um, and I love your point about like, that's why it's so hard being apart from each other during this time, because there's something about the reflection of the community of God in and of himself that is reflected when we spend time together. Um, and, and that's a beautiful thing, it's it's a God ordered thing, which means that there's something disordered when it's not in place, which is probably partly why it's kind of hard for for us in this time. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to highlight that. And the other kind of theme that I got out of this was, uh, the John seems to be harping on, um, particularly in verses 5 through 10, like what happens when we're not in fellowship with Christ? What happens when we're in the darkness? Um, and the main thing that stuck out to me is in verse... Um, Nine, It says, if we are in my translation, it says, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the verses before that, I think, are pointing out that like to we are living in darkness it, without fellowship with Christ in our sin. And, and and that's not fellowship. That's the opposite of fellowship. If because Christ is light, there is no darkness in him. Um, but the fact that I, I wrote down it is just for God to forgive us, it is just for God to forgive us when we are repentant. Um Good preach. And that's really struck me. Like it is just for the Lord to forgive us, and but it's but it's predicated on repentance. And we've spoken about the word repentance on this podcast before. It's not just a verbal, I'm sorry. It's an actual orientation of our hearts and actions away from that which we are being repented from. Um, so it's not, it, it's an action verb. It's like something needs to change. It's reconciliation between two divided parties. Um, so I don't wanna get on that tangent, but more on like God is just to forgive our sins when we come to him for repentance. And when we come and in repentance and in his mercy, through his justice, we are brought back into the light, back into fellowship with him. And it's just a beautiful kind of way to end this
2: chapter.
0: Amen. Charles came out here preaching today. Not messing around. Uh, Yeah, there's, there's quite a bit I want to say on that, but I want to kind of couch it in a question about five through 10 as you kind of transition this into that, Charles. And given what you've kind of spoken into is, you know, god is just to forgive us like when we repent and seek out true repentance and he brings us back into the light i want to pose a question to you you both um and also get more of your thoughts on the last half of this uh chapter and that is what does it mean to walk in light like what does it mean as disciples of jesus christ to walk in the light uh for you personally or just generally as kind of some takeaways that um we can consider as a as individuals as a Band of brothers, but also as a body of believers.
2: If we walk in light
0: as he in the spirit
2: of light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And like to Charles's point, like walking in darkness is the opposite of walking in light, um, as John And So it means having fellowship with other believers and entering into a relationship and submission to God whereby we are like purified. his work so you are being purified by god but it's alongside other people it's you're it's supposed to be done in the company of other people um and so like making strides toward i think walking in the light is making strides toward maintaining the fellowship that god calls us to in the first place um and protecting that like protecting um the means by which we have together protecting um the relationships that exist because God has brought us together as this family of believers, um, and encouraging one another in this purification. I use that in, in air quotes, um, this sanctifying work that God has in the spirit, like that causes us to be obedient to Him. I think also walking in light is like like the way that Jesus calls us light and salt. I think also there's a degree of display, right, that that comes in it. Like it not for the sake of spectacle, but for the sake of like it is good for light to be seen um, and and light showcases things. The first thing that God created was light. He declared that that would be like, there is this notion that what is good is supposed to be evident and on display. Um, and that is, I think, in John's, from John's perspective, from a godly perspective, that is best displayed in fellowship.
1: No, I was going to say uh, maybe it's just displayed in community which is really fellowship lived out I think is, yeah. is a good um definition and I actually think yeah. Jarrell this your question really actually feeds well into chapter two So I feel like it's a good like hint at what something and i I'll kind of read um a verse that I was going to talk about in when we talk about chapter two so I'll just read this and I think it answers your question this is uh chapter two verses three. The context would be, we we are living in the light when we're in fellowship with Christ. Obviously, fellowship with brothers and sisters, but we're in fellowship with Christ. And verse 3 in chapter 2 says, oh, sorry, let me, it's verse 5. Uh, but whoever obeys his word, truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. So there's something here about walking in the light being in the light is walking as Jesus did uh, is walking as he walked and we can talk a little bit about what that looks like i think when we actually start talking about chapter 2 but uh, that struck me as a biblical response to your question
0: absolutely we're on top of it we can't can't name a podcast on up season on time but we can transition between episodes really well this is this is why you you show up for show up at the well um so i think on that point, both have hit really well on the, the community aspect of part of the way we live out fellowship with Christ is by living out fellowship with each other. Um, and that's a huge, huge piece. And it's one of the ways in which we walk in the light. I've also like as I was because this was that was the question that just jumped out to me as I was reading this. And I was like, what does that really mean? And I think I was hit with two, not d- completely different definitions. There's one definition I think I would have had of what walking in the light would have meant when I was in like high school or college. And there's one that honestly, the last year or two, um, the Lord has kind of like formed in me a perspective to, to consider it in a different way. And I think <clears throat> for me, a long time walking in the light was just like, you just not sitting, like trying not to sit. And that was, that was really it. Um, and yeah, leaning on other people to help me Walk in that way, and I think there's obviously a lot of truth to that. Part of what it means to have that fellowship with one another is to open ourselves up to one another. Like uh, James five says, "Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Like the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much." Um, And so I think there's something to that as a means of avoiding sin or like the temptation or like battling temptation and doing that together. Uh, but the thing that uh, the Lord kind of spoke to me about at this time was just this sense of walking in light means allowing yourself to be vulnerable before God. It's like this notion that, because I think sometimes taking a, a a wrong perspective of like walking in light as a means to, you know, uh, like wage a war against like the world, the flesh and the devil and avoiding sin. Sometimes it kind of can look like I'm going to hide all my crap in the darkness and then uh, step into the light. Um, but w- what I felt the Lord saying to me now was come into the light even if you don't feel ready. Like come into the light even if like the filth or the like stain or like the blood on your hands isn't washed away yet. Um, and then going into verse seven, but if we walk in the light as he is the light, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. And so this idea that like walking in the light doesn't mean putting our best foot forward or handling our crap and then putting our best selves ahead. It just means step into the light so that because that's where God is. We abide in the light because that's where God is. And stepping into that means that God can see you. And that's like a terrifying thought. Like I've had countless times in my life where I like obviously God can always see me. But like thoughts where I'm like, eh, don't really want to consider uh, the king of the universe, like looking at me right now. Um, but there's something about this vulnerability of saying, of God saying, step into the light so that I can see you, not so that it's easier for him to like smite you down, but so that he acts so that he can go about the work of cleansing you from sin, so that he can go about the work of like washing away uh, the filth that we at times find ourselves in, like, step into the light so that I can see you, so that I can clean you. And like, there's a vulnerability with God uh, that I want to have that I think John had um, that really comes out in this sense. It's an invitation to walk in light, not ju- not to be perfect, but because we trust that the God who sees us in the light will also use like use the uh, that, that like perspective and that vantage point to like cleanse us from unrighteousness. So. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there so it doesn't get the analogy doesn't get away from me. But that's what I like really really stuck with uh, when I was reading this a few days ago.
2: Jarrell, I love the word vulnerability, and I love the fact that that you said like that that was the main point that you were making like like coming into the light so that you can be vulnerable before God, before God, and like be cleaned by Him, be washed by Him, be made new by Him, and Like, I think one of the reasons we're afraid of vulnerability is because it leaves us open to being judged, scrutinized, harmed, and whatever else. And to your point, Jarrell, like, well, let's look at the character of God, like, in order to be, in order order to more earnestly run towards the vulnerability that he calls us to, right? Like, it's not, to your point, like, it's not so that we can be (laughs) smote more quickly or more effectively. So in verse 9 as both of you read in some sense like if we confess our sins he is faithful and just like when charles was talking about this before the word just also like really it stuck out to me because why not why not merciful like i would have thought that merciful would have been a better word but just is what john who knew christ way better than me because he knew him in the flesh and he was taught directly by him like why did you use that word john and so I was thinking about it, and this is the part where I actually started praying because I was like, "What? How is it just to forgive? Like that's that's a merciful thing, Lord." And this is what I got out of my prayer time a few days ago. God's mercy doesn't undermine His justice. We misunderstand the nature and proper function of mercy. Uh, I think far too often I believe or we believe that we choose to exhibit mercy rather than justice. That if we Choose to exhibit mercy rather than justice, as if they're somehow mutually exclusive or they're on the opposite side of a kind of spectrum, then we won't teach as good or as worthwhile a lesson as a lesson fueled by justice. We think that mercy is ineffective, it's weak, and it undermines what justice can accomplish. I think that's one of the reasons why we kind of, we, we fear being merciful because we don't think it will teach a lesson. Um, and so we we project that character onto God. like. If he's merciful with me, how will I learn a lesson? Like I wasn't like punishment will teach a lesson, but forgiveness kind of shields me from that. But God's biggest move in human history was a merciful one. Christ from on the cross and risen, like was his mercy. And that mercy didn't undermine that justice. So, like, what do we know from that? Well, we know that Christ being judged for our sins, taking our place, um, was a merciful move from God, but that was also a just move from God. God utterly like crushed his son, like absolutely crushed his son. And God was pleased to do that. We learned that from scripture, like God was pleased to crush him and he was pleased to crush him because he set sin on him. And God hates sin. I think to his core, because it goes against everything that he is holy, righteous, and good. He hates it. And so when he laid sin on his son, like sin died an awful death. Like it took hours for Christ to die. And he suffered the entire time through it. And God was pleased to not only kill sin, he killed sin slowly. He tortured it to death. Like Christ was tortured to death. And so like god offering us mercy in christ on the cross was not undermining the fact that he absolutely annihilated sin like and that was the justice that he was seeking after god loved sinners but he hates sin and so like the justice is how he treats and deals with sin the mercy is how he deals with sinners, and i don't know thinking about that made me realize oh mercy is a beautiful call to usher somebody into light welcome them into light so that their habits, their patterns of living, the things that keep them from being holy and righteous would be done away with and dealt with, but that they themselves would be left um, remade so that they can be loved into a new kind of life. But yeah, mercy does not undermine justice. And and I think that's helpful. At least it has been for me, and I hope that it's helpful for listeners.
0: Amen. Well said. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a tendency to see justice as more of a Punishment and mercy more like ah you're off the hook but like it, to have an an accurate view of those things uh, to have an inaccurate view of those things rather uh, is to into a lot of ways have an inaccurate view of God and I think that um, this passage spells out ways that we can align our thinking more uh, with God's view of justice and mercy and so will the rest of this book. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out at at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider consider becoming a patron and head on over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting bonus content. We'll talk to you next week here at the well.